Good evening. Uh, it is time for today's tax talk. I'm your host. I'm attorney Stephen Leahy. I don't know how this one got by me. But anyway, it is March. It is Thursday, March 9th, the year of our Lord, 2023. The fair tax. Uh, it was introduced in Congress in uh, January. I don't know how it got by me. But that's what we're going to talk about today. Won't you join us? know how that happened. I th- I saw it, but I didn't give it much credence because I had figured it, it's not going anywhere, and it really isn't going to go anywhere. We have uh, we have the Senate, and we have President Biden, who never let this, something like this happen. But it's worth uh, it's a good idea, or at least it's a good idea to talk about it. Right? We've talked about the flat tax, uh, the difference between the flat tax and this fair tax. The flat tax is really still an income tax. And uh, this fair tax is really a sales tax. So let's talk a little bit about it. Well, I think there's a, a, a good, a couple good articles about it. And um, eh, it's something to talk about. Uh, the big news today was that Werfel was uh, confirmed. Ah, it's not You knew that because I, I already, we already alerted you to that yesterday that that was going to happen. And it did happen today. And and so uh, you're ahead of the curve. Like, that's what uh, today's tax talk is all about. It's about keeping people ahead of the curve on tax inf- news. Remember, most news is tax news, except for the blood and gut stuff, because it always has to do with how they're going to take, take your money, and then what are they going to do with it when they get it, right? So it's all tax news. So anyway, I, I always, you may, if you watch the show, you know that I like always to talk about the 16th Amendment. And so let's... Uh, let us do that. Let's talk about the 16th Amendment. Yeah. Okay. 16th Amendment. Here we go. Here we go, the 16th Amendment. That's me. 16th Amendment. Here we go. There we go. 16th Amendment. Here's the 16th Amendment. Uh, I know I do this myself. You're not the best producer, are you, Attorney Lee? Nah, I don't, know. I don't do that for a job. But anyway, this Congress shall have, this is the 16th Amendment, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes on incomes from whatever source derived without apportionment among the several states and without regard to any census or enumeration, right? So this, remember, it wasn't always the law that, uh, that it, was, it wasn't in our Constitution. The original Constitution forbade uh, income taxes, right? Well, all of these other things they did, were, they were right spot on uh, in, in doing. Were they right about not allowing income tax? Well, they changed it, and it's been changed for some years now, over 100 years. Uh, not, yeah, 100 years. And um, no, that's just where we are. So here's, a, here's the crux. Here's the, the text of the, of the bill. This is House Bill, House Resolution 25. Uh, it was brought up in January, I believe. Introduced in the House, one nine. So right after the uh, Republicans took over, one of the first things they did was you know, really the first one was to re- was to reduce the or reverse the IRS apportionment at eighty billion dollars. And then, so one of the first things they did, 20, 
the 25th thing they did was this. So this bill imposes a national sales tax on the use or consumption in the United States of taxable property or services in lieu of the current income tax, payroll taxes, so not only the income tax, payroll taxes, and estate and gift taxes, so almost all taxes, right? The rate of the sales tax will be 23% in 2025, with adjustments to the rate in subsequent years. There are exemptions for this tax for used and intangible property. So you're buying something, you, you don't pay a tax on it. Uh, for property of services purchased for business, export, or investment purposes, and for the state government functions. Wow. Under the bill, family members who are lawful U.S. residents receive a monthly sales tax rebate based upon the criteria related to the family size and poverty guidelines. So if you, if you meet these guidelines, you won't pay the tax. The states have the responsibility for administering, collecting, and remitting the sales tax to the Treasury. So no IRS. We just gave them $80 billion more. No, that's not just $80 billion. $80 billion plus what they were getting, which is, so this is probably double that, right? It's more than double that because... They, that doesn't d double the, the, their budget. It doubled the size of the IRS in, in the terms of employees. At least they say that it does. Well, it's a lie. There's not going to be 87,000 agents. No, but there's going to be 87,000 new employees. And that's where they always get you because they kind of, oh, this is a lie. They always call it a lie, but it's not really a lie. Uh, it depends how they say it, right? If they say, they say that there's going to be 87,000 new tax agents. No, there isn't, because they're not all going to be agents. Some are going to be computer people. Some are going to be administrative. But there's 87,000 new employees, IRS employees. The states have the responsibility. Though tax revenues are to be allocated among the general revenue, the old age and survivors insurance trust fund, the disability insurance trust fund, the hospital insurance trust fund, and the federal supplementary medical insurance trust fund. So all of those are going to fund it all. No funding is authorized for the operations of the Internal Revenue Service after fiscal year 2027. The abolishment of the IRS. Finally, the bill terminates the national sales tax if the 16th Amendment to the Constitution is not repealed within seven years after the enactment of this bill. Right, I just read you the 16th Amendment. Wow. That's amazing. Now, does it have a chance, as we just said, does it have a chance of passing? No, it doesn't have a chance. It doesn't really have a chance of passing, does it? Um, but let's let's talk about, uh, this is a good article in Forbes that talks about this bill. So uh, how the Fair Tax Act of 2023 might work. Um, so let's say, uh, the, the Reader's Digest version of the Fair Tax Act of 2023 is that it replaces the income tax, payroll tax, the, that funded Social Security and Medicare, and the transfer taxes with a very broad sales tax. For 2025, the tax-inclusive rate is 23%, which translates to an add-on rate, as sales tax is usually expressed, of 29.87% and change. After 2025, the tax-inclusive rate is 14.91, plus what Social Security Administration actuaries determine the rate to be that will yield what the repealed payroll tax would have collected. The fair tax enthusiasts paint a what-a-wonderful-world picture of what it would be like to, if, we, 
if we go from 70,000 pages to 131 to abolish the IRS? Well, if you talk about simplifying the tax code, doesn't this doesn't this do that? 70,000 pages to 131? I've been through the bill numerous times now and I and will will here try to lay out how I think it might be it might work in practice for different sorts of taxpayers when we ring in a jubilee of 2025. Well, again, it will never get there. So what state are you in? If your state gets wise and adopts a conforming state sales tax in place of an income tax, and it has it has you uh, in place of an, any income tax, it has you will get the maximum simplification. If your state keeps the income tax, not so much. A lot of state returns fall relatively seamlessly out of the federal income tax return. So it may be possible that you will still have close to the same amount of of uh, aggravation that you have been, had every tax season. You can't blame the fair tax enthusiasts for it. They gave your state the opportunity to enact a conforming state sales tax and repeal its income tax. Well, I'm from Illinois. They'll never, they would never do that, right? Now look at what it goes for those in, in the lucky states. If all your income comes from wages and salary, here is what happens in January 2025, I think. It says 15, but I think it means 2025. Your, ta- your take-home pay goes up, and just about all goods and services you buy are 30% more expensive. The fair tax enthusiasts will, with some justification, predict that ringing income and payroll taxes out of the system will lower prices. There is a good chance that they are right, but it seems unlikely that it will happen right away. Well, nothing happens right away, you know. But if you think about it, if if your job is withholding 30% already, and then I don't spend it all because, you know, on on goods that are taxable, I've already saved money, haven't I? Plus, not, I'm not even. Then we're not even talking about payroll taxes and Medicare taxes, you know. So I, you, and it really the incentive would be then the don't spend it, right? They say well, if you want to if you want to low if you want to reduce something, tax it. Well, we're taxing work. Do we reduce work? Yes. If we want to reduce consumption, we just tax it, and that's what this would do. Uh, you 2014 1040. I think he means 2024, will be the same one that you file. Some lower income people will generally not, will get refunds due to the earned income tax credit, might not be able as pleased by this as most other people will be. Should we revolve our economy around them? You will probably want to file the form that qualifies you for a family consumption allowance. It is just names and social security numbers and address of the household and the attest that everybody in the household is a citizen and not currently incarcerated. You don't have to file the form. The reason you want uh, to is so that you get the monthly check from the Social Security Administration that cancels out the tax for for someone at poverty level. I computed it to be about $250 per month for a single person. So life is somewhat easier. Not that your 1040 was all that hard to begin with, if you if you divorce or separate, there is still potential for arguing about who gets the credit for the kids for that monthly check. The 1099 gigsters. This is people like me who work as independent contractors or freelance. I write for a couple of publications and do a little bit of consulting, and I have other income. My 1040, which I won't have to file anymore, is not very hard. But, of course, I'm a CPA, 
and unlike some of the my brethren, keep good records, and my coviant has a family and friends tax practice, which includes my return. Lots of people I know whose situation is more no more complex than mine get overwhelmed by it, so wrapping that final 1040 will be a big relief for them. Unfortunately, we have new obligations. Now, I have read the bill at least 10 times, but I can't rule out that I have missed something. Nonetheless, as I read it, I will have to become a registered seller and tack a on 29.87% to my invoices. I will have to file monthly monthly to turn the money over. You, you turn the money over now, and we're already on a pay-as-you-go program. Uh, my customers will probably be claiming a credit for the tax that will that they paid me since my services are mostly business to business. And I will be claiming a credit for the tax on all my business related expenses. I will also get a credit for the work I go through in collecting and paying uh, over the tax. So you get a credit for the work that you're doing because it is work right now. You don't get anything and they just keep piling it on. And if you're a business owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. In general, that credit is 0.25% of the tax paid. For a small fry like me, that administrative credit can be the lesser of $200 per month or 20% of the tax I collected. I have been fudzing with the, with the numbers. I, it seems that a gigster grossing $40,000 will collect about $12,000 in tax. They should get a $200 per month administrative credit. The 0.25% credit seems to be on your net remittance. Uh, you need to be grossing well over $250,000 to get past the $200. I suspect that the credit will be enough to pay for a relatively seamless solution. There will be vendors all over this. When you throw in that you will no longer have to file 1099s on the gigsters who gig for, for, you, life, uh, for you, life may be marginally easier, except for figuring out your 2002 credit. You are entitled to a business use conversion credit on all goods and services on which you pay the tax and use at least 95% in your business. Then there is a mixed use property, which is explained in section 705. Probably the easy example would be a car. Essentially, you would amortize the tax you paid on the car over 60 months and take the amount for that month and multiply it by the ratio of business miles to total miles for that month. Real estate is based on floor space. Other tangible property is figured on a calendar year basis. Computing the mixed-use Section 202 credit seems like it might be a, the most contentious issue for small business people and probably the most complicated for small and not-so-small businesses. Considering businesses will more than, with more than a couple of employees, it strikes me that there will not be that much less accounting to do, but there will be a lot less to worry about. Money can go in and out of the business without worrying about tax consequences. You still need to report your wages to the Social Security Administration, but no longer have payroll withholding. Deal-making will end up being free of tax issues that can slow things down. That's absolutely true. As I understand it, this will be one of the ways the fair tax is supposed to benefit the economy. Given the level of complexity that current sales tax systems have to cope with, I think it is likely that there won't be any problem modifying existing accounting systems to accommodate the new sales tax. The administrative credit is in an aggregate is not much less than it spent on the IRS. So you can count on, on there being lots of vendors chasing that money. Then there will be the ones who offer to take care of it for you at a bargain price and don't pay the money over. Be careful out there. And the ultra wealthy, 
What a wonderful world. I think I, I think I may be done with the Fair Tax Act of 2003, at least for a while. Here is my coverage. So I covered the fair tax back in 2014. There was an even more intriguing alternative tax system called the Automated Tax Transaction Tax in 2012. So anyway, that's, I have a, oh, the, let's see how much time we have. Uh, now, so this is a story today that, that kind of brought me to where we, I just was reading all that. Yeah, my throat is, let me get a drink. House Democrats push back against GOP bill to abolish IRS, impose national sales tax. Now, in my uh, experience, there's never been a tax that the, the Democrats don't like, except for a tax that reduces taxes. Then they don't like that. Democrat lawmakers introduced a resolution aimed at GOP's national sales tax proposal. The tax of up to 30% on taxable purchases would worsen the conditions of countless working families, the lawmakers argued. The resolution is a complementary measure to a Senate resolution introduced last month. Three Democrats in the U.S. House have introduced a measure to push back against the controversial Republican tax proposal that would abolish the IRS, eliminate income taxes, and impose a national sales tax. House Republicans introduced the Fair Tax Act in January, shortly after Kevin McCarthy was voted in as Speaker. The legislation proposes to overhaul the U.S. tax system by eliminating the income tax in favor of a 23% to 30% tax on gross payments for taxable property. The Democrats, uh, and there's an Illinois person in there, called the measure extremist. What is it? Of course, what a surprise that they would call something that the Republicans say extremist. I was dismayed to hear an extremist plan by my colleagues on the other side of the aisle that calls for a 30% national sales tax for working families. But he supported the $80 billion to the IRS. Nichols said at a press conference Wednesday, a 30% sales tax would be a disaster for working families and individuals in North Carolina and around the country who are already dealing with high gas prices, exorbitant housing costs, and the rising costs of goods and everyday services. No thanks to you. The three Democrats introduced a House resolution opposing a national sales tax on working families and instead supporting a tax cut to benefit middle-class families. Their efforts build on the work of Senators, uh, Nichols said. The senators introduced a complimentary Senate resolution in February. We in the heartland, we see a couple of things as determin- a determination of how hard it is to live. It's the price of a gallon of milk, which has been around $5 a gallon. And also the cost of eggs. It's the cost of gas. We need to bring those costs down for everyday Americans. The last thing anyone needs now as we're struggling to make ends meet is a tax increase. I'm not sure it would be a tax increase. Congressional resolutions aren't binding laws. They are used instead to highlight an issue of importance in Congress and signal the direction lawmakers plan to take if they are forced to vote on it. Negotiations between McCarthy and the members of the conservative House Freedom Caucus during McCarthy's lengthy lengthy bid for House Speaker cemented a a full House vote on the Fair Tax Act, according to Fox News, but McCarthy has yet to bring the bill to the floor for a debate. The idea that Republicans could even consider such a provision when their constituents are crying out for help is outrageous. Uh, not only would this bill have negative impacts on people in Colorado, but across the country, and it would completely eliminate the IRS. That's the point, isn't it? The, the bill would effectively repeal the 16th Amendment. Hooray. 
on the U.S. Constitution, which gives Congress the the power to establish and collect income taxes. It would also abolish the IRS and institute a 30% on each $100 purchase, according to the nonpartisan Center for American Progress. If passed, the tax policy would take effect in 2025. GOP lawmakers argued that the national sales tax on goods and services purchased for final consumption will promote savings and investments, spur economic growth, raise the standard of living, and respect uh, taxpayers' right to privacy compared to the traditional federal income, payroll, estate, and gift taxes, according to the bill's language. Well, I have to agree. Representative Carter, who introduced the the Fair Tax Act, said it would simplify the tax code. Instead of adding 87,000 new agents, and there he goes, he shouldn't say agents, right? Because that's a lie! Uh, To weaponize the IRS against small business owners in middle America, this bill will eliminate the need for the department entirely by simplifying the tax code with provisions that work for the American people and encourage growth and innovation. Armed, unelected bureaucrats should not have more power over your paycheck than you do. The act would decrease federal spending by over $71 billion in 2023, according to the report released Monday by the Congressional Budget Office. But it is estimated to also reduce tax revenues by more than $185 billion over 10 years. Well, if we save $71 billion in one year, and over 10 years it costs us $18 billion, sounds like a good deal. The GOP's tax proposal would add $114 billion to the deficit during the time frame, according to CBO. The bill will also undermine many of the tax provisions President Joe Biden introduced under the Inflation Reduction Act, (laughs) including more staffing at the IRS and a 15% corporate minimum imposed on companies earning $1 billion a year. In a January statement, Vice President Kamala Harris, and that's what we got to really take her serious, said the GOP is rushing to undo that progress and allow too many millionaires, billionaires, and corporations to cheat the system. Well, if we don't have the system, then they can't be cheating it, could they? Peterson said that the sales tax would hurt the most the most those who are unable to save, such as seniors and low-income families. When you're looking at a consumer-driven tax code, when then it's the people who are unable to actually save who are paying a disproportionate level of taxes, as well as the tax level going down significantly, impacting Social Security and Medicare, she said. So, anyway, that's that's the story. Stories, I should say, because we we did the stories. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I, I guess I went a little long today, so uh, thanks for your indulgence. But it's, a, it's something to talk about. I like when they tell you, you shouldn't even talk about it. Don't even consider it. We, we should be considering something, don't you think? That's just my opinion. So thanks so much for joining us. I'm going to ask you to like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. We need your help. So please like and subscribe. We want, we need to get this this uh, information out to everybody. So like and subscribe. Uh, hit the, uh, smash the bell, whatever that means. So, uh, so help us by sharing it with your friends. And also, if you have an IRS problem, if you, if you're, um, if you owe the IRS money, if you have unfiled tax returns, and you don't know what to do, you should get a copy of my book, Deal With Your IRS Problem Today. Go to freeirsbook.com. That's freeirsbook.com. Get your free copy. I will pay for the publishing if you pay for the shipping and handling. So go to freeirsbook.com and get your free copy. Thanks so much for joining us. I will be back here on Monday. I got. I, I don't have a uh, interview tomorrow. Uh, I, I'm trying to set up some more interviews. I've been very busy. It is tax season. So we're going to go back to our... Um, Law Library series, 
the Trust Radio Network Law Library series uh, very soon. So I hope you can join us then. But as it is, let's wait for it to, for Monday. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you right back here. Uh-oh. We will see you right back here on Monday. Thank you. Uh, God bless you. We are now. We are now out.